Welcome to the Joe What Podcasting. My name is Joe Vendramini and I'm a Ford Specialist at the University of Florida Range Cattle Research and Education Center. And today our guest is Mr. George Kempfer. We are here in Deer Park, Florida. And George, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here. Um, George, I'd like you to please introduce yourself and give some information about your career and your life as a cattle producer. Okay, well, thank you, Joe, and thanks for having me. Uh, a little bit about myself. I'm a, I'm a fifth generation um, on our family operation here in Deer Park, Florida. Um, graduated in the University of Florida, animal science degree. Uh, we're, as I mentioned, we're a family operation, so we work with uh, all of our family members. We also uh, pretty well do all the work ourselves. We have very little outside labor. So, um, anyhow, we uh, mostly commercial cattle, primarily commercial. We'd like to say that that's kind of our uh, been our mainstay here for since the 1920s, probably. Um, though we've been in business for going on, I guess, close to 100, about 120 years here. But uh, the commercial cattle have been the mainstay, but we now, uh, in the uh, late 1970s, added purebred Brahmin cattle, which uh, they came from my mom's side of the family, uh, which had been in the Brahmin business since the 1930s, uh, registered Brahmin business. Um, brought those cattle over here, and uh, so we've uh, kind of developed that herd. We've got them primarily. We started just uh, raising those to, to maybe raise our own bulls, and over time, uh, we started uh, back in the early 90s, doing a lot of work, getting very progressive, and trying to fix the uh, misconception that the Brahmin cattle maybe weren't as marketable um, for various reasons. And we decided that if we're going to have them, we're going to make them marketable. And uh, by doing a lot of work ourselves, we've been fortunate enough to develop a pretty decent market for uh, bulls. So we, uh, we do have a bull sale in, the, uh, in November every year where we'll market not a lot, but about 30 uh, registered Brahmin bulls to our sale. Uh, we also now have... Uh, we're in the purebred Angus business as well. Uh, there's an Angus breeder that we've worked with for about 20, 25 years now uh, that's got a herd of Angus that was developed or raised and been developed in the state of Florida for over 40 years. Uh, this, these cattle are pretty well adapted to this environment. Uh, now, they, they're not going to have the weaning weights. They're a little more higher maintenance than what your commercial and crossbred, uh, crossbred cattle or the straight Brahmin cattle are, but but uh, this line of cattle seems to work very well for us. And uh, the gentleman we were in partners with is kind of was about ready to retire. So we've uh, got some replacement heifers from him and gotten in the purebred Angus business as well. So. Great. And, and, and George, you are the current president of the ABBA, America Brahman Breeder <clears throat> Association. And could you please share with us some of the recent projects and the current projects or challenges that you you are facing as a president of the BBA? Well, some of the challenges, you know, like I mentioned earlier, that's uh, always, I think, I'm not going to say always, we're working to fix it, but uh, there's a misperception, I think, of Brahmin cattle. A lot of people out there feel like, uh, well, for one, that we, uh, that we're not, a, our cattle aren't tender, and, uh, and we are a beef breed. Um, matter of fact, the whole, most of the southern tier of the United States depend on Brahmin influence in their cattle uh, and and there's a lot of 
oftentimes these cattle are discounted for various reasons. And one of the reasons they say is because they're, they're uh, not tender. And that's something that, that we've been working really hard on. Matter of fact, I think we're the first breed to have a tenderness EPD, but, uh, that's an ongoing project. It's something that, uh, it's really neat. We found very few cattle that weren't tender, but we, uh, we have found a few. And I think, uh, you know, we're letting our working with breeders and letting them know how important it is to get rid of those genetics. And they have been. And, uh, it's working very well. We have a, um, a sire evaluation, uh, carcass evaluation project with feed Brahmin steers. Uh, these cattle are usually fed at a feed yard in Texas. Um, and that's one of the things that, uh, we've seen a huge improvement in is in tenderness. Um, and over the last, say, I think it's been going on for about 15 years now, maybe a little bit longer. So from when that program was initiated to now, the steers that we've been killing, uh, we've dropped, I think, several pounds in shear force just on, uh, you know, on the Warner Bikes for shear testing that we're doing on those steers. So, uh, but, uh, anyways, uh, we also, you know, we're known for there being cattle that don't break, um, a lot of Brahmin sired steers today are beating the plant average. So we're excited about that. Um, and, and that's all work that we can do too through this car, uh, sire and carcass evaluation project. So that, that's a very key, uh, program or project that we feel like to help our members and help the breed. Um, uh, dispositions is, is a deal too that, that we're really focuses, focusing on trying to, uh, to, uh, have our breeders pay a lot more attention to because Brahmin cattle aren't they can be the most docile breed, but at the same time, they can also be the most temperamental. So, uh, really working on that. And the other thing, maybe as big as anything, is birth weights. Uh, a lot of the cattle were, were bred for a lot of growth back in, uh, I guess starting back in the late 70s, early 80s. Birth weights, when you get more growth and performance, the birth weights started going up. And, uh, and being boss syndicates breeding back on boss taurus especially uh people breeding the purebred hereford or angus cows to raise f1s um the bull calves especially can be really big and uh so we're we're trying to really uh work more at uh, getting our breeders to understand more to uh to work harder on these uh, lower birth weight cattle so uh, the international market wanted the higher growth they don't do as much crossbreeding uh, and so a lot of these cattle were, were made bigger to kind of fit that market down there. But um, here in the States, our domestic market, especially, we rely on crossbreeding. And uh, we don't need as much growth in these Brahmin cattle because of heterosis and hybrid vigor. Uh, if we're not careful, we'll get the cattle too big. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but anyhow, but those are a couple of the programs we've got going on that, that we're really excited about. Or one of them, the other is we've started a bull test program, which we've got a lot of small breeders that complain they have a hard time selling their bulls. So we've started this program to, uh, they can, uh, we group them all together to feed lot in uh, Floresville, Texas. Uh, they're grazed out on Bermuda grass traps and, uh, it gives everybody the opportunity to compare their bulls and let everybody else see what they do, you know, other than just uh, lead them in a show ring. So it, uh, and it, it's an opportunity for them to kind of find out what their cattle are and what they'll do, especially, you know, and compare them to everybody else's. So that, that's another neat program. We're in our third year of that right now. Um, and George, as uh, we use most of these Brahmin on crossbred animals or we cross with Angles and Hereford, do you think that we, the Brahman Association is making a lot of effort to to get these traits better, all the ones that you mentioned, starting with meat quality. 
But this crossbreeding that we do with Angus and Hereford, as you mentioned, do you think the heterosis and all the quality that we get from that cattle is already pretty much fixing the problem? We have a, a animal that is crossed, and in most of this. Uh, uh, prejudice that we see against those F1 animals or even an animal that has a quarter blood Brahma is perception more than actually data and what's going on. Absolutely. Of course, say the prejudice, the prejudice is for the F1 females, you know, because they're the, the best cattle there is. I mean, that's proven by uh, Clay Center, you know, the Meat Animal Research Center in Nebraska. But, uh, yeah, perception, I think for sure. I mean, uh, there, there's a, a lot of data out there now showing that these cattle will feed extraordinarily where the, the Brahmin percentage in these cattle really uh, helps their efficiencies, their feed efficiencies. Um, so they feed typically cheaper, especially if they're not fed through the middle of the winters, you know, and, and up in the northern climate. But, uh, yeah, I think most of it is perception. The cattle really, like I said, they're beating the plant average in a lot of cases now on, on quality grade, uh, and they're getting more carcass weight in a lot of cases. And, and now, uh, shifting to your commercial calves, uh, could you please tell us um, a summary of uh, how you run your, your breeding program here at the ranch on your commercial calves? Sure. Joe, it can be a little bit complicated, so I'll try to explain it where everybody can understand it pretty easy. But I feel like the straight, the purebred Brahmin are kind of the backbone of our program. Um, so we, we keep, we like to keep at least a third Brahmin in all of our commercial females. Um, ultimately our long range plan here, I'm going to go ahead and say this now, our long range goal here is to, uh, we're going to replace most, try to replace all of our commercial cattle with either purebred Brahmin and F1s. Uh, it's going to take us a number of years now to do it, but, but until then we're doing a program and it's worked very well for us. Dad loves it. He says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, We'll breed Brahmin bulls to Angus-sired females or shorthorn-sired females. Uh, so we use Brahmin, Angus, and shorthorns for our maternal lines. Uh, so anyhow, we uh, – but every – we'll come back with a Brahmin after every – after we breed a uh, Angus or shorthorn, say, to that Brahmin-sired female, we'll come right back with a Brahmin again. And that basically keeps about one-third – Two thirds, about a third in the in a third Brahmin and Angus or shorthorn shorthorn sired females, and about two thirds Brahmin and the Brahmin sired females. And uh, that cross has seemed to work very well for us. We do have some F1 cattle here now as well, but uh, the top end of those females are used uh, for our maternal lines uh, to raise more replacement females. Uh, the, but the Angus and shorthorn sired heifers that don't do as well for us, we do a terminal cross with Charlotte bulls. Uh, we'll breed everything to an Angus as a yearling or a two-year-old. Uh, well, actually, the wet two-year-olds get a Charlotte bull. Uh, and then uh, after they've shown that they can raise two good calves, we'll determine which ones stay in the maternal line. But the Brahmin sired females, we may expose them as yearlings but we don't make them calve as two-year-olds as to where the, the shorthorn and angus sires must calve as, as, a, as a two. But we feel like we make up the longevity on the Brahmin sired females. They're a little later maturing animals. Uh, some of them are just as early maturing pretty much as, the, as, those, uh, as, as some of the, the English heifers, but uh, for the most part, they're not. 
Uh, we are working to make that better, but we feel like we get two or three, four extra years out of those Brahmin sired cows. So uh, if they don't breed as a yearling, the calf is too, we don't hold it against them. Uh, do you think this breeding program that you have the commercial, it's an evolving thing, or do you think you reach now a combination that will be more selection than introducing new breeds? You know, we, uh, I don't foresee changing new breeds anytime soon on that, as long as it's not easy finding the right kind of shorthorn bulls, I'll say that, but uh, we're raising our own Angus bulls. Um, like what we're getting with them. But, uh, you know, for years we were Brahmin Angus Hereford. Uh, the Hereford cattle didn't stay in our program. Uh, we had some short horns from years back. Those cattle did very well for us, very fertile, um, had more tenderness. Um, and this is the old style short horns that aren't, you know, I'm going to say non-asterisk, non-asterisk mean they weren't upbred with main Anjou or anything. They're pretty well straight traditional short horns. But, uh, you know, that, that seems to be working very well for us right now. But at the same time, uh, if something comes along down the road and it's better, um, we're in this business. This is our living, the cattle business. We make our living from the cattle business, and we need to be profitable. And if, uh, the family's not getting any smaller. Um, so whatever we need to do to, to maintain a profitable status where we can feed more mouths, that's what we'll probably do. So if something else comes along that we feel like, will do us a better job, uh, we'll probably try it. I, I think you got to be careful that you don't stay, get in a, in a rut or a groove and, and not be willing to change. So uh, I think that, you know, I, I feel like we've been very successful in the last, uh, especially 20 to 30 years, and, and, a lot of, and, uh, and we made a lot of changes from what we did, let's say, 20, 30 years prior to that. Mm-hmm. And, and George, um, primarily for uh, the people that will listen to this that are not from Florida, we know how challenging this environment here is for growing animals. So developing heifers is an ongoing talk. So how is the best way to develop heifers? So we have a program now at the research center and we have producers involved giving inputs to try to, to um, probably get uh, a heifer development program more efficiently uh, here in Florida. Could you please share how how is your uh, heifer development program here? Well, it's going to vary just a little bit with the two different breed types. Mm -hmm. I'll start with the Angus and Shorthorn side females, which we require to calve as a two-year-old. Uh, those heifers are weaned typically sometime late July and August. Um, We'll turn them out, give them some range cubes or something, maybe teach them how to, you know, just to help gentle them down. But uh, those efforts typically, we've got a place in Mississippi that we've been, uh, that we've got just to develop heifers. So we send them out there and try to grow them out on fescue. Um, we've done it in various different ways, whether uh, lately we've been trying to limiter feed. They're getting, uh, they're averaging somewhere between 3.2 to 3.4 pounds of feed per day. Um, I'm going to try to pull up the cost of just what we spend on those heifers. I think we do it. I think we're very inexpensive, just, and that's because of the genetics. We don't have to put too much into them. We've really selected on fertility, and uh, by doing that, we've been able to develop those heifers and get them bred as yardage to calves twos, fairly inexpensive. But uh, 
typically most years we're in the mid 90s. We breed them for 90 days. Um, majority of those heifers will be bred typically in the first 45 to 60 days. And we'll, of course, select our heifers that we keep out of those. Um, but we also sell a lot of bred heifers as well as a big part of our business. Uh, those heifers then we'll bring them back typically in the summertime. We'll calve them out November, early December. Uh, we like to have a little ryegrass. Uh, last two years we haven't been able to have any. Uh, it was too hot and wet two years ago. This year uh, it was too dry. So we've had to feed them just a little bit. But um, typically we're not satisfied if we don't get 90% of those heifers to breed back with the calf on their side. Um, we've been as high as uh, 96 to 97% uh, two or three different years. Um, here, you know, so uh, kind of depends on the year, but we also make those heifers carry those calves the entire time. We don't, uh, I know y'all got the early weaning program, and I think it's got its place, but we uh, we make them carry the whole way through because that's part of our selection criteria on which one of those females that we want to use to keep our maternal lines going. So it's uh, used for a selection criteria uh, in that. The Brahmin sired females. Uh, they pretty well rough, Joe. I mean, it, it, they uh, we'll wean them, turn them out on pasture, and they might get a pound or two of cubes a day, um, and they they will tend to follow rotation on mama cows because we'll keep them here in Florida. Uh, we might say may put a bull with them as yearlings. Are looking at maybe had some some customers of ours using our Brahmin bulls that have been very successful breeding their commercial Brahmin sired heifers as yearlings. Um, so we're, we're looking at maybe doing a little bit more of that. Just uh, I want to do it with forage. I don't want to have to really feed them a lot. But uh, typically those heifers are just kind of rough. And uh, like I say, if, if they breed great and they'll go with the first calf uh, coming three-year-olds. And uh, if not, they'll just be turned out into some kind of rough country as twos to uh, breed the chemistry. And George, we are coming to the end of our interview here. Is there anything else they would like to share with the listeners from, from the podcast? Oh, put me on the spot. <laughs> and uh, probably you can mention uh, a little more about your bull sale, the kind of animal that you sell here in November at the bull sale, and give some information for somebody that may be interested in buying some some Brahma bulls and, and Angus bulls. Yeah, and yeah, and you know, one thing I'd like to say, and it's just one of the things that we preach about here for our place is a moderate cow. Um, so we have moderate frame, moderate mature weight genetics. And I think because of that is, is the biggest reason why, not the only reason, but one of the big reasons why we're able to have as much fertility and as I heard that we do, Fertility is your number one profit driver. So, uh, like I said earlier, we're in this business to make money. We don't care about bragging numbers in terms of uh, weights, you know, carcass weights or or uh, weaning weights, although we're still really good. I think, you know, look at the percentage of, of a calf that a cow weans. You know, they need to be over 50%. We've got a lot of cows that are weaning in that 60% range of body weight. You know, so I mean, we're averaging over 600 pounds at weaning on our steers. That's pay weight uh, and have for many years now. So you don't have to have too small of a cow to still wean pretty good-sized calves. And that's in Florida. You know, uh, 
other parts of the country, we've got some cows out there, and I mean, those calves are weighing up seven, eight hundred pounds in some cases. So, constant, just keep that in mind when you're looking at that. And, and like I say, in the bulls, you mentioned our bull sale. Um, we feel like we're kind of unique, and we've probably got uh, one of, if not one of, the most moderate Brahmin herds in the country, uh, and probably got as much. Um, selection and culling in our herd is any herd in the country. So we take a lot of pride in that and what our and what our Brahmin cattle will do. So uh, we feel like uh, if you want to lead them in a show ring, you probably need to go somewhere else because they're probably not big enough. But if you want to make money in the cattle business, they're the right kind. And, and George, I have three questions for you for quick answers. So can you uh, tell me two forage species that you think are the best? For you here in this environment, Bahia grass and Hermaphia grass, two, um, two key ingredients for us. And probably you have answered that one before, just with our conversation. But two cattle breeds. I'm gonna say Brahmin and Angus. And would you prefer to watch bull riding or bronc riding? <laughs> I love them both. I have a son that's a bronc rider now, so now I'm more, I've always loved that, but we also are, we have a hobby of raising rodeo bulls, yeah, so I love to watch bulls buck too. That's, that's exactly why I'm asking, so <laughs> we just learned that your son was going, were going to the finals in, in Wyoming on bronc riding, and I knew that you have a bucking bull, so I said, well, that is a good combination right there, there. That's, that's why I answered the question. So I would like you uh, to thank George again for participating in the podcast. And I'll see you next time. My name is Joe Vendramini. Joe what?